My, uh, my question for us this morning is this. Um, what was running through our minds as we sat and saw those pictures and heard that song? Um, or maybe uh, I could even ask it like this. What did you feel as you sat and you listened to that song and you saw those pictures? Like, did you feel sadness? Did you feel pity? Um, were you sitting there thinking to yourself, why in the world are they showing this? Is it, is it just to make me feel bad or guilty? Or, or, or um, did you even maybe feel indifferent or maybe nothing at all? This is a huge question for every single one of us sitting in the room this morning, but especially for those of us that are here and claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. And here's why. Because when you open this book and you read the teachings of Jesus and you read about the example that Jesus left for us when he was here on the earth, what you find is this. You find that there are right attitudes, right emotions, and right actions that you and I should display toward broken, helpless people like those in the pictures that we just saw. And this morning, we want to dive in and dig into that. And I want to show you what I mean from a story that we find in Luke 10. So if you have your Bibles with you, or if you have your version apps ready to go, you can turn your Bibles on. And I want you to go to Luke chapter 10 with me. And in Luke 10, there's a story that maybe many of us in the room are familiar with. And, and I want to set up the story before we read, okay? In Luke 10, 25, Jesus is teaching a crowd of people, and he has a lawyer come to him in the middle of his teaching, and this lawyer asks him a question. He says, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus actually answers his question with a question. And Jesus goes, well, why don't you tell me? I mean, what do the scriptures say? And this guy looks back at him and he says, well, the scriptures say to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and Jesus looks at this guy and says, well, it sounds like you got it pretty figured out. And then the guy one more time asks Jesus a question and he says, all right, well, let me ask you then, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers his question starting in verse 30 with a story. And so let's pick up, let's start reading there together. It says, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, who beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. So Jesus, he tells us, there's this guy, right, and he's traveling, and these robbers come, they tear him to pieces, they leave him for dead, and these two godly, religious, moral men happen upon this guy, right? There's a priest that comes by, a priest from the Jerusalem temple, and not far behind him is a Levite who is an assistant to the priest in the Jerusalem temple, both of them encounter this very broken, very helpless man. And, and listen, they actually go out of their way, right, to the other side of the road in order to avoid helping him. Now, we don't know their exact reason for choosing to do so, right? I mean, they could have made a lot of excuses, given a lot of reasons, maybe even some that some of us in the room can identify with today. Right? Like maybe for these guys, um, they were on their way home from the temple. Maybe they had kind of performed their job all week and they were really tired and worn out. And when they saw this half dead guy laying on the side of the road, they just went, I don't have time for this right now. 
I can't give anymore. I've been giving of myself all week long. I can't give myself to one more person. So they take the other path and they keep going. Or maybe it was that they were traveling to the temple to get ready to perform their duties for the week. And, and maybe they saw this guy and they went, no, 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 not now, right? I mean, my calendar, my schedule, it's really full for this week. And this guy is not on it. And so we're just going to kind of leave him be. And they kept going. Um, maybe these guys, right, maybe they got scared when they saw this guy. Like maybe they assumed that the men who had done what they did to the guy laying on the side of the road would do the same to them if they stopped to help him. And so maybe in their brains they're going, I ain't risking my life, right? I'm not putting my safety on the line to help this guy. Or maybe, maybe they looked at him and went, somebody else can do it, right? Like maybe the priest, he walked by and in his mind he was going, you know what, Uh, Levite, he's not far behind me. Um, I let him do all my dirty work anywhere and anyway, and so so I'll leave this guy for him and he'll take care of it. And maybe the Levite walked up and and in his mind he thought, well, the priest he, he didn't take care of it, and uh, if he didn't take care of it, maybe that means I shouldn't have to take care of it, and I'll just leave him here for someone else. And so they kept pushing off the responsibility. Again, we don't know the exact reason why they chose to pass by this broken, helpless man, but what we do know is that they were indifferent to what they saw saw this man laying on the side of the road, and they brushed him off, and they kept going. Now, there's another guy in the story that Jesus goes on to talk about, and Jesus mentions him first in verse 33. Read this with me. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, talking about the broken, helpless, half-dead man, and when he saw him, he had what, church? Say it out loud. Compassion. He had compassion. Listen, in your Bibles, underline that word, highlight it, circle it. Do whatever you need to do not to miss it and to remember it. He had compassion on him. The idea of this word compassion in the scriptures goes far beyond you and I feeling sorry for people, right? It's not us um, seeing someone broken, seeing someone helpless, and sitting back going, oh, well, that's too bad. I hope they figure their way out of that. It's not us even feeling sorry enough to pray for them, right? I'll pray that your situation gets better. Instead, the idea and the implication of compassion in the scriptures is this, is that we encounter broken, helpless people, and we feel their pain and their brokenness and their helplessness so deeply that, man, we are compelled and forced to take action on their behalf. And this is exactly what we see the Samaritan doing. Right Out of the Samaritan, the priest and the Levi, you know who had the best excuses in the eyes of culture and society not to help the man laying on the side of the road? It was the Samaritan, right? Samaritans and Jews hated each other. They hated each other for cultural reasons, for religious reasons, even for racial reasons. And so in the eyes of society, what should have happened is that this Samaritan happens upon this half-dead Jewish guy who's been beat up on the side of the road, looked at him and said, I ain't helping that guy. He wouldn't help me if I was in this position. Somebody else can take care of him. I'm not getting my hands dirty to help this dude. I'm going to keep going. Yet, the Samaritan sees this man And in Jesus' words, his heart is moved to compassion. He feels this man's pain so deeply that he refuses to be indifferent. And as the next verses tell us, he cleans up this guy's wounds. He bandages him up. He puts him on his own animal. He takes him to a local inn. And he says to the 
keeper. Here are two days worth of my very own wages, my very own money. Take care of him until I get back. And if the cost of caring for him exceeds what I've given you, then I'll pay you the difference upon my return. See, church, this is compassion. The Samaritan man loved this man who hated him. He refused to be too busy to help. He refused to push off the responsibility of helping onto someone else. And he potentially even risked his own life to make sure this guy didn't die. Now, listen, I love this. Right after Jesus tells the story, he looks back at this lawyer and he says, All right, bro, tell me who the neighbor was, right? I told you the story. You answered my question. Who's the neighbor? And the lawyer speaks up and, and he says back to Jesus, uh, I guess it was the guy who showed mercy. It was the, the compassionate Samaritan who loved and helped that broken, helpless man. And listen, what Jesus says in verse 37, man, it's so important, we can't miss it. Jesus looks back at this lawyer, and here's what he says. He says, you're exactly right. Now you, you go and do the same. Listen to me. As followers of Jesus Christ, His expectation for us is that we would show compassion toward broken, helpless people, both in our community and in our world. In fact, Jesus demands it of us as his followers. He doesn't ask us just to pray for broken people. He doesn't ask us just to feel sorry for helpless people. Instead, Jesus calls us to feel the pain, the brokenness, the helplessness of people so deeply that we just have to act on their behalf. And I need you to know this morning that Jesus isn't asking us to do something that he has not already done himself. I mean, think about this. Why in the world did Jesus come to the earth a couple thousand years ago? Was it not to act on the behalf of very broken, very hopeless, very helpless people who could not act for themselves? And listen, all those people, they're sitting in this room. It's, it's all of us. Like I'm so thankful that thousands of years ago when sin entered the world, that God wasn't sitting up in heaven going, oh, I feel so sorry for those guys. Wow, look at what they've chosen over me. They've really screwed this thing up. Hope they figure their way out of it, right? No, instead, what did God do, man? In his great love for us, his heart was moved to compassion, and he felt our pain and our need and our brokenness so deeply that the God of the universe wrapped himself in skin and came to live among us. And he lived among us so that at the end of his perfect life, he could die in our place for our sins and raise from the dead to conquer sin, death, and hell on our behalf. To do something for us that we could never do for ourselves. And church, listen, don't miss this. This is the reason that we show compassion to others. We show compassion to others because compassion has been shown to us. We act on the behalf of others because Jesus has acted on our behalf. And in doing so, the hope and the prayer is this. The hope and prayer is that as we show compassion, that doors would be open for us to point very broken, helpless people back to the one who can meet their greatest need in life, which is salvation and an eternity with God and that man's name is Jesus. 
Christ. This is why we show compassion. And listen, this is exactly why compassion made our list of core values here at Cross Point City Church. The list of the six things that we want this church to be known by and to be known for both in our community and around the world. And we're going to read this core value together this morning. And then I'm going to share some things with you about our community, about our world that makes crystal clear why it's so important for this to be a compassionate church. So let's read this together. If you go on our website, here's how value number five reads. We value compassion, acting for those who can't act for themselves. And it goes on to say this. We believe that God is a God of compassion. Throughout the Gospels, we see proof of this in Jesus who did for others what they couldn't do for themselves. We will be a church that displays compassion and defends those who are hurting, harassed, and helpless. We will feed the hungry, offer drink to the thirsty, invite in the stranger, clothe the naked, visit the prisoner, and care for the sick. We will do justice, we will love kindness, and we will speak for those who have no voice. So how do we do that? What are the opportunities? What are the needs that exist around us Every day. Well, I want to share some of those with you, um, starting with where we live, and these are in no particular order, all right? Um, right now, according to the latest census data, in the metro Atlanta area, which includes Bartow County, there are more than 10,000 people living in homelessness each night. According to the, the Georgia Department of Community Affairs, listen to this, the majority of those homeless people in the metro area is made up of women and children. And this blew me away. The average age of a homeless person in our city is nine years old. Atlanta, number one city in the United States for children living in extreme poverty. I don't know if you realize this, but even here in our own city, in Bartow County, we have a homeless population. And we also have a homeless shelter called the Good Neighbor Shelter that shows care and compassion for people here who have no homes. And, and some of us this morning, maybe even in this moment, God's stirring our heart and inside of us we go, this isn't right, this isn't right, we can't know this and not do something about it. Maybe this afternoon you need to go and you need to get online and look up the Good Neighbor Shelter here in town and you need to call them tomorrow and say, when can I serve, how can I help, like I I'm here and I need to do something about this. Um, right now, in the U.S., there are over 400,000 children living without permanent families in the foster care system due to neglect, abuse, or abandonment. That number should break our hearts. Listen, in our world right now, there are 153 million orphans. Kids who have no mom and dad to love them and to care for them. And some of us in the room, we don't need to feel sorry for those kids. We don't need to pray for those kids. What we need to do is we need to pray and ask God to stir our hearts toward taking some of those kids into our own families. We need to pray and say, God, help me to be a foster family. God, open the doors for me to adopt a child that doesn't have a family. God, so that I can invite them in and make them my own and love them. And most importantly, tell them that there's a God who loves them and who can give them hope for their future. Even in Bartow County, we have a child's advocacy center that care for each year over 2,600 children who don't have permanent families, again, for a variety of reasons. And some of us, um, we need to go hang out there. 
And we need to make it a regular practice of going to that advocacy center and loving on those kids and sharing and showing the love of Jesus Christ with them. Listen to this. Atlanta, Georgia, one of the top 14 cities in our country for human trafficking and sex slavery. Every year, as many as 17,500 people are illegally trafficked into the U.S. And listen, many of those people right in our own backyard. 80% of these people are women. And listen, the average age of a person forced into sex slavery is 14 years old. Moms and dads, think about this. Think about if someone came and took your kid away and forced them to do the most awful things you could ever imagine just to please someone's sick desires. Right, like, I don't know about you, but man, I got a two-year-old daughter at home and, and thinking about anything like that happening to her, it'd be like taking three, right? I, I would be out on the streets chasing her down, doing whatever I had to do to get her back. But we can't just think like that concerning our own families. We gotta think like that concerning all the sons and daughters of God. All those who have been created in his image to bear his image and to mirror him to this very dark and broken world. And, and some of us, again, we're sitting in the room today and maybe God's stirring our hearts and we're going, that's not right, that's not right. What you need to do this afternoon is you need to go home and get online and, and you need to look up organizations such as the Indent Movement. You need to go and Google Innocence Atlanta and you need to get connected to organizations right in our own city who are standing up for these people, showing compassion and speaking on their behalf because right now they have no voice. I'll give you a global picture, all right? Now I'm going to pick up where I left off in talking about slavery and sex trafficking. Right now in our world, there are over 27 million modern-day slaves if you think that slavery was a thing of the past, you are very wrong. Right now, 27 million slaves in our world, and listen to this, 50% of these are children. Kids who should be growing up and going to school and having fun with their friends. Again, they're being sold and traded and forced to do things that should absolutely disgust any normal human being. That 27 million number spans over 161 countries, and this illegal slave and sex trafficking industry produces more than $32 billion a year. That's more than Google brings in. Also, right now in our world, poverty, it runs rampant. Out of the 7 billion, almost 7 billion people that live in our world, over 3 billion of them live on less than $2 a day. 1.1 billion people in our world have no access to clean water. And listen to this, 22,000 children die each day in our world due to poverty. If you do the math, that is one child every four seconds. Think about that, one, two, three, four, child's dead. One, two, three, four, another child's died. In, in the span of our worship service this morning, that means that 917 children will have died from things that none of us in this room ever have to worry about. That's over 8 million kids a year. You want to know why I'm so passionate about taking clean water to the world and, and drilling wells? It's simple. It's because 1.4 million children die every year because they don't have anything to drink. And the rest of them die from things such as poor sanitation, preventable illnesses, and starvation. 
I mean, I could keep going on and on and on this morning with statistics, with examples, but here's the point I want to make. With so many opportunities around us every day, both in our community and around the world, what I don't ever want this church to be known for is the church that knows that all those needs exist and we stare them in the face and we do nothing about them. Like, I don't want us to be the church that just shows up and and we meet in a box once a week to sing some songs, to listen to a guy teach, to serve in some ministries while failing to show compassion to people in our world who need it most. I don't want us to be a bunch of Levites and priests in this church. And you have to know, man, that the Bible tells us that we can be as moral, as churchy, as religious as we want, but if we fail in showing compassion, that everything we do here doesn't matter at all. And if you're going, well, James, I don't know if I believe that. Let me just show you. I'll prove it to you. I'll go Bible on you, okay? James chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, hey, go in peace, be warm, be filled, hope things work out for you, I'll be praying for you, but you don't give them the things needed for the body? James says, what good is that? See, faith by itself, if it does not have works, what is it, church? It's what? It's dead. James chapter 1, religion. You want to know what true religion is? What a true relationship with Jesus is about? Religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Not to show up and sing songs and listen to teachings and serve in a ministry and to go about your daily life. No, instead, it is to visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction and to keep yourself, to keep yourself unstained from the world. In Micah chapter 6, the prophet is writing to a bunch of Jewish people about their empty sacrifices that they come to the temple and make on a regular basis, thinking that somehow they're pleasing God while failing to show compassion and love and mercy to others. And what does Micah the prophet say back to them? He says this, he's told you, oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? He doesn't want your dumb, empty sacrifices. You know what he wants from you? He wants you to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with him. That's what he wants from you. That's what a relationship with him looks like. And and we have to understand the point that all these passages are pointing to. And it's this, that if you and I have true love for God, if we are truly following Jesus, then we are going to love others. We're going to make sacrifices. We are going to take action on behalf of those who can't act for themselves and will never be a bunch of priests and Levites, but instead we'll live our lives each day as compassionate Samaritans. And this church is what I want for the people sitting in this room. Like, Man, I don't ever want us to be known as that church that goes... Oh, yeah, yeah, we know there's a lot of needs, but we're too busy for that. We know there are broken, helpless people. We've got a lot of stuff on the calendar that we've got to take care of. Um, yeah, we know that there are people in need, but my, my money? You want me to give my money to those people? Uh, I don't know about that. I don't want, this, want us to be those people that look around at our world and think to ourselves, um, I don't know if I can help because that seems a little unsafe, a little risky, and I don't know if I want to put myself out there like that. Or, hey, why don't we just let somebody else do it? See, I don't want that to be what this church is known for. 
Instead, I want this church to be known as a church that takes notice of broken, helpless people. And we feel their pain so deeply that we just have to act on their behalf. I want us to be a church at any time ready to step up and say, you know what? I'll sacrifice time, energy, efforts. I'll give them my own money. I'll give them my own resources. If it means helping those who can't help themselves so that ultimately we can introduce them to their Lord, their God, and their Savior, Jesus Christ. So how in the world do we go about doing that? How do we become that compassionate church? Well, I want to give you some practical things that we're already doing and some practical things that we are going to continue to do and to get more intentional about. And as you listen to these things, um, some of you, man, you just need to jump in. You you need to get on board. You need to get in the game. Um, One, and again, these are in no particular order. One, um, we are regularly pushing all of our groups here at Crosspoint City Church to take part in local care and compassion opportunities. Um, When those opportunities come to our attention, the first thing that we do is we send them out to group leaders and we say to them, who can take hold of this? Who can serve this family? Who can meet this need? And we're always challenging our group leaders to be aware of the needs around them and to get their groups engaged. And and, uh, I'll just share some cool stories with you about how this has played out just recently. In the last several weeks, we've had a group in our church collect items for a family who was moving, um, and their moving truck caught on fire. They lost everything. We had a group who heard about this and said, we can't know that that's going on and do nothing. Like, we got to rally the troops. we, we got to get new furniture and new sheets and new towels, and man, we got to get washers and dryers and toys for the kids. we got to do something. And they adopted this family in, and they've been working to meet their needs. We had another group in our church Um, go to a local advocacy center out in Rome, a a center that works with children. And they went in, owned money, owned resources, bought paint, went in, spent their time painting the dorm rooms for the kids who sleep there just to say we love you and God loves you. We had another group in our church in the last few weeks um, buy birthday gifts for three local children whose mom and dad are just having a really tough time right now financially. All their birthdays fall within a month of one another. They were going to have any birthday presents. This came to our attention. We shouted out to our groups, man, go buy birthday gifts for these kids. And we had a group say, man, we're, we're on it. And we're going to go meet this need and show compassion and share Jesus. Matt Moody, who is our worship pastor, just yesterday, his group, which is made up of a bunch of crazy CrossFitters, go CrossFit, right? They, uh, they competed yesterday in a charity event in which all the proceeds raised um, are going to be given to an organization called Orphan Aid Liberia. And this organization exists to rebuild the lives of children in Liberia by meeting their physical, mental, and spiritual needs. I mean, I could keep giving. There's more examples. Those are just a few. But you have to know, when I stand on the stage and I say, we want you to get in a group, we want you to get in a group, it's, it's for a bigger reason than you just hanging out on somebody's couch and talking about how you feel, right? I want you to get in a group because you're going to miss out on some amazing things that God wants to do in and through this church if you don't. Uh, another thing that we're continuing to do as a church is just big community outreach events, such as Community Makeover, such as Hope for Christmas, because we want to make a statement of this community that we love them and that most importantly, God loves them. And I'm giving you a heads up today in about a month, um, we are going to start pushing you uh, toward getting engaged and involved with Hope for Christmas. If you're new here and you're going, what's Hope for Christmas? Here's what it is. At Christmas time, Um, We meet the needs of hundreds of families in our local community, and we ensure that they have a great Christmas with their families. So this year, our plan is to meet the needs of 300 families, not people, 300 families 
in our community by giving them Christmas food, by giving them Christmas toys, by inviting them here on a Saturday and letting them get free pictures with Santa and have a great experience in our building. We want to make sure that they have shoes, that they have coats, and we even let the kids go upstairs in one of our rooms and pick out free Christmas gifts to give their parents on Christmas morning. So in about a month, we're going to be all in your business asking you, give, 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 donate toys, donate food, bring your coats, bring your shoes, bring gifts that parents can, can be given from their kids. And we're going to ask you to serve at that event as well because we want to be a church that displays compassion to people in our community who need it most. Third, we're going to continue to get more intentional about our work in the world, our, our work overseas. As you heard earlier from Susie, um, one of our desires is to build clean water wells in Burkina Faso, this little country in West Africa, through our coffee bar. I've been to Burkina several times. I've seen the needs. I've heard people who live there talk about the needs firsthand. And you have to know, church, that every day in Burkina, men, women, and children are dying because they don't have clean water. They don't have the resources or the money to go out and to drill clean water wells for themselves. But listen, we, we do. We have the means, we have the resources, we have the relationships to get that done for them, and we have the opportunity to show a simple act of compassion by bringing clean water to villages of people there, and that's what we want to do. And here's why, because in Burkina, when you provide an entire village of people with clean water, guess what they want to know? Why'd you do this for us? And that's when we get to name Jesus. In the past five years, we have seen an unreached people group called the Pugli people in Burkina Faso come off the unreached people's map because thousands upon thousands of them have met Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And do you know what it started with? A simple act of compassion, bringing water. And we want to be that church. Um, another way we're going to work in our world is we're going to be offering more trips on a consistent basis to countries that we're partnering in. Um, we already have two trips scheduled for April of next year, and, and our goal is to get some um, scheduled for the, for the latter part of the year as well. If you're a high school student in the room, we've got a trip going out to Nicaragua in April, and if you're interested in that, you need to talk to our student pastor, Devin, and he can get you all the info. And then we also have our first official Crosspoint City Church trip to Burkina Faso, West Africa, set for April 3rd through the 13th. And I'm going to actually be going, and I'm going to lead that trip. So if you want to go with me to Africa, um, and many of you do, right? And I'm just giving you a heads up. It's expensive. It's like 3200 bucks. Um, we spend a lot of our time sleeping out in the bush village, under the stars, on cots, eating the worst food you'll ever eat in your life. But listen to me. You go on that trip, you will never see the world the same. You go on that trip with me, you will be forever changed. And I promise God will work in you a heart of compassion. So some of you in the room, right, God's already stirring in you as I'm talking about it. And you've got to put all your excuses, all your fears aside. Sign up, raise your money, and go on that trip. And, and if you feel compelled and called to do that, then here's what you need to do as a first step. Starting tomorrow, our registration for that trip will be open. And so you need to go onto our website, crosspointcity.com. And on our ministries page, all the information for Burkina Faso will be posted there under our world care section. And you'll be able to fill out our online form and register for that trip as well. And, uh, and as you do, we'll be following up with you accordingly, all right? Um, another way, quick way that we're going to partner in our world is through working with organizations like Compassion International, um, potentially an organization called Food for the Hungry. 
These organizations, they go into the world and they work hard to release children from poverty all in the name of Jesus. And they try to come to countries like this, to people like us who probably have more than we need, and they try to convince us that for 30 to 40 bucks a month that we should sponsor a kid somewhere in the world and give money. And by doing so, these children, they'll get food, they'll get clothes, they'll get clean water, they'll get an education, and most importantly, they will encounter an environment in which they will hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And if, man, if you're sitting here going, that sounds awesome, I'd love to get involved with that. This afternoon, compassion.com. Go there, pick a country, sponsor a kid, all right? And uh, the cool thing, you sponsor a kid in one of the countries that we partner in, Burkina Faso, Nicaragua, go on a trip with us next year, and you can probably meet your compassion kid in person. And lastly, here's the last thing I'll say, and we'll be done. You just have to know that I'm going to keep preaching hard at you every chance I get to love your neighbors as yourself. Every chance I get, I'm going to stand on the stage and challenge us to slow down long enough to notice the needs of others so that we all can show the same compassion to others that Jesus has shown to us. And I'm just praying, man, that God would continue to work a heart of compassion in the lives of those who make up this church so that we can help broken, helpless people find their way back to him. And we're going to start this morning by just praying for that together. So I want to invite you all over the room just to bow your heads and to close your eyes. Man, if you're sitting here and you've listened to all this, and for some reason you still feel indifferent or maybe nothing, or maybe you're even sitting here and going, you know, I don't know why I should help those people. I mean, they can just do it for themselves. If that's you, I'm just asking you to pray in this moment that God would just break your heart. That he would stir your heart toward compassion. Father, I'm just praying that for all of us. God, I'm begging you this morning just to wreck us. God, over the brokenness of our world. God, help us to know and to understand and to believe that when you created this world, God, this is not what you had in mind. Sin has wrecked this world, and God, I'm praying that you would break our hearts over the consequence of sin. God, help us to understand, God, that it's, it's not okay for thousands of kids to die every day, God, because they don't have medicine or water or food. God, help us to know that it's not okay for young girls to be kidnapped and to force into sex slavery. God, help us to know that it is not okay, God, for people to lose everything and to slip off into, into homelessness, God, with no one to tell them that there's hope. God, give us hearts, God, just desperate to help. God, give us hearts of love and service and compassion and generosity. God, I just pray that, God, whatever excuses or reasons we might be holding on to as to why we can't, why we can't love, why we can't help, why we can't show compassion, God, that you just remove them and replace them with a willingness, God, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our world. Remind us every day, God, that you have shown us compassion through Jesus, that you have acted on our behalf through Jesus. God, and help us to do the same for others.
I just feel compelled as we're still praying and, and our heads are bowed just to say to you in the room, if you're here and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you've never surrendered your life to him before, like you just have to know today that in a spiritual sense, you are very much like, like the homeless person that was on the screen earlier. You're very much like that child right now who is starved, who needs water, who needs food. You're like the orphan who is fatherless, motherless, and has no one to take you in. But I just want to tell you this morning that God loves you more than you can ever comprehend. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's defining you presently. God proved his love for you by sending his son Jesus to this world to die for your sins and to raise from the dead so that he could make you into a new person and so that you could experience eternal life with him. And this morning, man, if you need to give your life to him, I'm just encouraging you right now in this moment, just reach out and you can pray something like this. Just say, God, I, I know right now, God, I'm desperate. I've tried so many things, God, to, to satisfy me and none of them are working, God. I'm confessing today, I'm a sinner. God, and I need a savior. I need a father. I need a family. God, I'm reaching out. Would you just pour your grace on me? I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he's alive today, God, and that you can make me into a new person. So God, give me hope for my future. God, give me an eternity with you, God, and use my life, God, in ways that honor you and are good for those around me. And if you prayed that with me or something like it, you just have to know that God promises to already be at work in your life. He's gonna rip the old you out of you and replace it with a brand new you. And from this moment on, your life will be forever changed. Father, I just thank you so much for how you love us in spite of us. Thank you for the grace and compassion you've poured out on us. God, help us to do the same for others. God, we love you. And we pray all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ.